Three, two, one, go. Hey, I'm Katie. Hey, I'm Chris. And welcome to the Product versus Engineering Podcast. This is so scary. <laughs> Nobody's even heard this. <laughs> Why is it scary? Yet. Uh, yeah. Um, so, Chris, do you think product and engineering? <laughs> I love are... how you use my first name. What's very you, formal. Mr. Welker. <laughs> <laughs> very, very formal. What should I call you? Uh, I, that's fine. So, Chris <laughs> is not how you ask. Like, true, you true, never. True. I don't ever <laughs> say your name. Hey, Katie. No, it doesn't happen that way. It's much more. Uh, do you think they're aligned? You know, much more expletives. <laughs> um, okay. Do you think product and engineering are ever aligned? Ever aligned? Do I think they're ever aligned? Um, yeah, I wouldn't say it never happens. Um, I think it. It. Uh, I don't know how to explain this. I think it depends on the stage of the company. I think things early on start very aligned because like everybody's in the same boat. Mm -hmm. And, you know, especially as you're trying to kind of suss out, you know, is this, is this, is this a product market fit for instance? And then I think as you gain success and the other portions of engineering showing up, you know, supporting customers, production support, bugs, that kind of stuff, they become less aligned because care and feeding of an application is a thing. It's not like you just walk away from it. I think they become less aligned and then everybody's like, well, what is everybody doing? And, you know, the business goals get bigger, I guess, mm. and and kind of move in a move in a direction where product is forced into an area where they need to come up with what the next thing is to continue to grow the business and engineering stuck with, I've got to maintain what we currently have. Plus I have to build the new stuff. And I think those are just growing pains. Right. And I think they fall out of misalignment because a lot of people don't understand. Like if you just let these applications run, they don't just run on their own. Right. They require care and feeding. Something's always going to break. Something's going to change, you know, and part of that is just rate of change. Like if you're changing this application a lot, then yeah, something's going to break. So a couple of questions, but my first one is on like the care and feeding piece. Do you see that as a responsibility of engineering or like a, res a responsibility of product? Care and feeding to me is like resiliency, availability, performance of the application. Uh, those aren't, I would say they're early product things in terms of this is how much you need to be available. This is what resiliency should look like. Like I want something that works across the globe and it can't ever go down. You know, those are kind of non-functional illities that I think support the business. I don't like product needs to be aware of them. I don't think everybody understands what goes into that. You know, it's kind of the five nines. Five nines is expensive, more expensive than four, more expensive than three, more expensive than two. I think people get away from thinking about that 
but once you have paying customers, right? Like support is a thing. It's not like you just get to walk away from it, right? There are issues, things that, you know, people using your software and that kind of stuff. And if, if you're in a position where you're releasing versions of it to a customer and the customer gets to choose, that's one thing. But in SaaS applications, I mean, you're releasing stuff all the time. That goes to kind of the run the business bucket and that eats up more engineering time. And then you have, you know, we'll call it 50% left for new features, right? So you have less time to build new features because you're spending more time running the business. And there's a bunch of ways to game that, right? Like some people choose the offshore, you know, production and support, you know, to kind of cost optimize. I mean, I don't... I think you got to pick a model that works well for you. And I think what happens is the assumption, at least this is how I feel from product product walks in thinking they have a hundred percent of the time and they can build all the things they want and then don't respect the, the amount of time it takes to run the business. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because that's not their, I, I, I feel like that's not net, That's not their focus. They're always focused on net new things. And once it's done mm-hmm. and it's out there, they kind of like, okay, what's the next thing I'm going to go? It's like uh, the dog from Up. <laughs> right? Yes. Doug. Squirrel. Yes. So, yeah. So, I mean, like, that that's the way it feels. And, and then it's like, well, why are you spending so much time on those, all this other stuff? This is the stuff I need you to work on. And it's like, well, we have paying customers and I need to support them. Yeah. You know, and, and you know, just getting engineers to, you know, do things around that is difficult because they don't want to do that either, but that's what it requires. Yes. I've yes. That idea that like engineers want to work on new things all of the time. All the time. Is um I get it. Not not just <laughs> not just new not just new features, but new architectures inside mm-hmm. of architectures you've already picked and like once you have a running business, it's very, 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 in my in my opinion, very, 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 very difficult to change that after the fact. Like that ship has sailed. You can do it, but then then the discussion becomes the: it, it, Do we want to invest in that right now? Well, it's working. Well, okay, so we're not going to invest in that. And then everybody hates it. Nobody wants to touch it. Blah 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 blah. Like there are no good answers to any of this stuff. And my, my kind of thing is like, if it's working, we don't intend to touch it and we're not making, and it's not going to be the next pillar of growth. Then we're making incremental changes. We'll do what we need to, to keep it secure and all this other stuff. But like, if you're going to come and ask me for some widget or some screen, I'm not going to tell you I need to rebuild the whole thing. Right. Which I've seen mm-hmm. happen too. Right. Like it, 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 that's the art. Right. And that's where I feel like that's where I feel like the misalignment is, because what happens is this is just my view. There's an expectation once things are in market that they're easy to change later because it's software. Oh, software is easy to change. Sure. Um, but not once it's out there. Right. Like it, it's there's a certain set of things that you've taken months and or years to build that I don't feel like you can unwind quickly. And that's really what I view architecture as like, tell me trying to avoid using all their experience, trying to avoid their, trying to avoid the pitfalls of, we can't do that. Like that's the worst case scenario. You hit the dead end and it's like, well, to build what you want to build, I have to rebuild everything. 
and then it it's just it doesn't it doesn't enable business agility because the outcome should be around how do we enable the business to be agile without mm -hmm. spending all the time building software to be agile but those are intentional investment decisions right and so where i think mm -hmm. it gets misaligned is i think everybody agrees that oh yeah we should build these things i think where the <laughs> the uh, the misalignment comes from is how hmm so well, you, think need, there, you think there's yeah. alignment in what, too? I, I, very, I very rarely ever hear, no, we shouldn't go build that. From who? From anybody. Like anybody. Like product has an idea and I very, you know, it's always ideas are cheap. Sure. Right. Mm -hmm. Everybody's going to say yes because nobody knows what's going to win. Like I never, I never, I never hear people push back on necessarily those aren't good ideas to go do. The problem always comes down to how, what that means, what the constraints are. And that's where I think, you know, you may have asked for me to build, you may have asked me to build some big engine and I have, and I can't do it because the architecture doesn't allow me to do that. Or I come back and say, I can do it. This is what we have to do. And then you come back and say, well, that's too long. And that's not in the planning horizon. Yeah. yeah. Right. And that's where that's where it gets twisted. So then it's like, well, engineering says it'll take too long. And because nobody, because accountability isn't super clear to everybody, right? Next thing you know, it's like, well, engineering, engineering has to be left holding the bag. Well, they can't deliver it. Yeah. Right. Well, they don't know how to do it. I mean, I've heard that used before. I don't think that happens that often, but it's generally like, oh, engineering couldn't do something. Mm -hmm. So therefore we can't do it. And then and then it comes down to the VP of engineering and then and then we're making all kinds of like, well, this is what we can do. Yeah. Right. Because the problem is, is like. Product puts forth, here's what I think we can do. Let's say they have a business case. Let's say there's an expected ROI. We build business plans based on that, but it's not steeped in feasibility. It should be. You want a ship that goes to Mars, I, but it's it, I, it's rare that it ever is. Like I don't. I think people skip that step. I think people think, give it to the teams; they'll be able to figure it out. And yeah, sure, unlimited time and money, sure, right? right? But 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 I I don't feel like these things happen in a vacuum, like. I was reading something on LinkedIn and it's like, we should be able to do agile strategic planning. And I'm all for emerging. <laughs> the heavy sigh says it all. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I, I mean, I'm all for like, don't plan too far out. Like you, like you can't show up without a plan. You know what? Like I was just thinking future, we should do an episode on planning because that I think could be really interesting from both perspectives, but carry on. <laughs> Don't we have an episode on planning? If not, we should make an episode on planning. I think... No. Okay. Well, that's happening. Yeah. yeah write that down because <laughs> I'll forget. This is where I think you really have to kind of start to divide and separate out areas of responsibility what each function does, the execution of that function, and then put the norms in place about how they talk to each other or work gets done. And I know it feels super waterfall-y and isn't what we want to do anymore, but like 
the reality is, is if you've got a growing concern, right, and you have investors and you have other things, you got to make the best decisions you're making right now. And every idea can't possibly be a good idea. No, no. And, right. No. And so someone needs to be on the hook for And it's by on the hook. We've put in our best effort. Everybody sits around the table and nods. Yeah, that makes sense. And we go do that. Now, if it hits, great. If it doesn't, that's okay too. But it can't just be like I'm throwing stuff against the wall, which is a a lot of what I've seen and whatever is going to stick. One, I think it's demoralizing because you you need themes to, to do that against. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean... I think there's a lot to be said about the rigor that happens within product management, within a product practice, within an organization. Um, And it runs the gamut. Like there's some that have zero rigor and just like you said, throw things against the wall. And there's some that have a lot, right? So I think at minimum, to your point, you have to have some sort of foundation or some some agreed upon way that you're going to mm, prioritize or figure out the business value of the things you're trying to do, right? There's got to be a tie back to what you're trying to achieve. And a lot of the times there's not, right? Like, oh, we got to do this because we got to get this deal or we got to do this because such and such is upset. Like that's a lot of what I've dealt with in my career, but I've also been in the position where I've had to prove that this is the thing we should be working on with numbers, be held accountable to those numbers. Right. I just think it depends on how that product organization approaches it. I, I think all of those things can be true. So I think like, where where generally where generally doesn't happen is wait we spent six months on this and it's not going to do anything like i'm not a big fan of that right like so put in enough work to to get to yeah this reasonably sounds like this is a good idea right and go after it but like if we can't and we still think it's a good idea like we can't figure out the business case but we believe this is in the strategy we believe that there's value we're having a hard time put, putting, you know, really kind of creating that case out of it. If everybody sits around the room and goes, yeah, we accept that risk because that's what it's about. I'm okay with that too. What I'm not okay with is like a free for all where things don't map back to a clear articulated strategy. And most of the time, I, 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 I don't necessarily see what the strategic themes are. How do you intend to grow this business? Mm-hmm. Right. Those are questions that are never answered. It's always like, we need this one more feature and it's going to unlock millions of dollars. And it's like, okay, that, that could be true. That's fine. But I don't like, I go back to every single time I hear these things, what are the jobs to be done and what are the outcomes we're trying to achieve? Yeah. Cause that's really what it matters. Like I, I can put it, I, I can build this thing. Sure. It's all buildable. Right. Are we, are we solving a problem for a customer? Right. And if we can't, if we can't cross that bar, then like, I don't, I really, it's a waste. Of, it's it, in my mind, it's a waste of time. Yeah. Then it's just your idea. And we're, we're just like, you might as well just tell them to go build an app, a game app, because like they would, we would literally build anything, but it, it, it would have the same effect. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, one of the conversations we've had is about essentially how do you identify ideas to work on? Um, and for me, it always goes back to, is it desirable? Is it feasible? Is it viable, right? Like if you can't check all of those boxes, then my question is, why are you working on it? I mean, it seems very simplistic, but, and there's a lot of work that goes into that, but even if you're, I mean, it could be minimal well, I don't work think, that goes like, into I that, don't. But, yeah, that's the thing. I think people think that it's like, oh my God, I've got to build this massive presentation to explain my idea. And it's really like, here's the idea. Like, you should at least be able to articulate the idea and write it down at the very least, right? Here's what I want to do. Here's why. Here's why I think it. Like, I feel like that's, yeah. I don't want to use the word table stakes, but I mean, should like, be. that's the bare minimum. Yeah. That's the bare minimum. And then. Here's what we think the like you got to do legwork. It can't just be I woke up this morning. I think we should do a site redesign. Let's go do a site oh. redesign and that should make us millions of dollars and it's like no. Now there could be strategic reasons to do that. Totally understand that. Call that out, make that transparent. Yeah. I feel like maybe you haven't had a great experience. <laughs> And I've been in orgs that work just like you've talked. Uh, and to me, it's, if I can't tell the team that I'm working with why we're working on something or what the expected outcome is, then that's not something that I should be bringing to them. Now, have I, I been, like, I've been put in that position by leadership, right? Where it's like, kind of a do or die deal. Um, and you ask all the questions, right? You may not get the answers. You may not even have, like the business case may not be good, but it still is expected to be done. And that's just a sticky spot for product to be in, but it's not an unusual spot for product to be in. Um, I I think people can explain it. I think the problem is, is when you're, when you're on the responsible end of growing the business in very real terms, top line, bottom line, customer growth, like you need a bar mm -hmm. that, that gives people around you confidence that this is actually going to do this, right? For you sure. don't want engineering going, oh, well, I don't think this is actually going to move the needle. Like you can't be pot shot in that, right? Like mm. at some level, you know, this is one of those things, disagree and commit, right? You may not, you may not agree. It's not on us. If you don't have another idea and you, we give you the space to do that. Let's move on. Right? Yeah. Cause we can't sit here and talk about, because everybody's going to like, it's easy to shoot other people's ideas down. Right. But I'm where I'm situated. I'm here to try to make product as successful as possible. Mm -hmm. So I need to deliver software with quality, deliver software. When I say, when I say I'm going to deliver it, I, you know, as close as I can. And generally, I, unless there's big misses or things significantly changed, we're not that far off, right? Mm -hmm. In terms of like delivery, like it's a week or two. Okay, fine. You yeah. know, we talked about this in a previous episode, right? Like, like building a house, the guy said it was going to be like five extra days. We're not going to squabble over that, right? Yeah. But like, 
And that's where I feel like engineering has a point of view and it's an important point of view, but at the end of the day, they have to understand that they're not the ones responsible. Yeah. I think this is like when you have a product organization who's not providing the type of information that you're looking for, where that you've outlined, that's when it's a very uh, kind of ripe situation for engineering to run the show. And then product is just ceding their power. Um, and I've seen that happen in far too many organizations. Yeah, I feel like executive leadership needs to, however decisions get made, need to be clear about how they make decisions and what they make decisions on. Yeah. Like, I think people, like, the problem is, is like, we're kind of wishy-washy. There's no real answer to, there's no real criteria. It's just like, oh, that seems like a good idea. And then it seems like, well, I like Katie, so we're going to do go do her idea, not somebody else's idea. That's what it seems like when in reality, it probably, it, it may or may not be that. But like. It's part of it. It's part yeah, of it. Maybe. Sure. Right. But like. There should be a set of criteria so you can objectively look at all these things and say, yeah, these are, you know, here's the articulated strategy. These are the three swim lanes we want to we we want to go generate value for our customers in product managers. What are the jobs to be done? Right. Like mm -hmm. that, that that's the function and come back and we're going to look at those objectively. We won't be able to do all of them because we will generate more ideas than we can actually execute on. Mm -hmm. Right. Some of those will yeah. come back as multi-year efforts. Some of those will come back as multi-month efforts. And then we have to collectively decide what are the big wins? What are the small wins? Like, it feels like sometimes you're sitting here and if, if we'll use a baseball analogy, like every pitch we're swinging at. Absolutely. Right. Yes, yeah. Like it's like, it, it's a ball way, way. You shouldn't even be swinging at that. Yeah. Like everybody knows you shouldn't and you're swinging at them. And you strike out more than you more than you hit. And I think as the business grows, that that edge gets sharper and sharper and sharper. Yeah. So I think, you know, what you've explained to me is a like a failure of product leadership because they're not providing like the bare minimum or they're not, you know, table stakes are not there. And I I so the I, I, I don't know if I 100 percent agree with that. Right. Like if you sit around the table and you've got operations folks who are responsible for servicing customers. Right. I mean, mostly is what everybody has. Right. Mm -hmm. If you're a SaaS business, you've got product folks who are who are out there talking to customers, trying to discover jobs to be done, trying to build new, you know, potentially new revenue streams. You've got sales folks trying to sell it like, you know, there's and then you've got engineering folks wanting to execute against those things right so you've got your engine of growth let's say i don't think it's a product leadership should hold the standards of the craft mm -hmm. right but and product leadership should have an important say and what they think they can do to grow the business but ultimately whose responsibility is it to grow the business the senior leadership team now that does include product, but that's a craft aspect of how we get the fuel in the engine to drive the growth. Mm -hmm. Right. But that's as much operations as it is, you know, product and all these other stuff. Right. So like the guardrails around what good looks like from here's, here's how we're going to operate as a product 
organization. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Is it their theme? You know, do they own the strategic themes? It depends on how the organization's set up. It depends. But ultimately, leadership sets what those goals are, whatever you want to call them. Um, And if, call them themes, right? Every organization should be looking at those, trying to understand how they support those, right? If product is coming to you with these kinds of gaps that you're explaining, then either the product manager, there's multiple things that could be wrong, right? They don't know how to do the job. They're not being held accountable to do the job correctly. They don't have a foundation from their leader about how to do product. And this is how we're going to do it. But a product manager manager should be able to do all of the things that you outlined. You should, yeah. That's why I'm saying to me, that's a that's a matter of failure for the product leader. Like, why do you have somebody like this on the team? And if they can't answer these questions, how come? Like these, this to me is just basic. Well, basic I, so stuff. I think that, yeah, I, I think, I don't know how basic it actually is. Cause I know you and I've had conversations about this. I yeah. don't know how basic that is. Like, how do you, how do you, you know, justifying ROI, mm-hmm. right? Like, I, I feel like those things are, you know, that gets in the Sam Tam conversation. Sure. Market share. Yeah. I, you know, yeah. Do I believe there are product managers who can do that? Yeah. Do I believe most project product managers have done that? No. Right. No, you're right. That's I think what we to- have, th- this, is, this is the way I see it. I think what we have is we have some people that can make cases and most of those people have moved on into leadership roles. Right. And then we have an, a new group of people coming in doing product management. And when money's free and cheap, as it has been for quite some time up until recently, every idea was a good idea. We didn't really need to bet it. Just go build it because we can always get more money. Right. And that's where I feel like, at least for me and the way I operate, I want some sort of kind of like we've gut checked this to make sure because like, Everybody wants to be successful, but if we constantly keep churning out stuff and you hear, and it's not a no secret that people aren't using it, then that's not a good spot to be in either, mm-hmm. right? From a morale perspective, right? I, I do agree that people should be able to answer that, but I think it starts with the behavior modeling at the leadership level. Exactly. And demonstrating how they make decisions and the information they use to make the decisions. And then the rest of the organization falls in. Yeah. So are we if done? You're- well yeah i mean that's like i from my perspective i feel a huge responsibility to ensure alignment between product and engineering is that personal response is that personal personal. responsibility see i feel that's that's the other thing is i feel like but i don't think it should be personal i think that should be I mean, I, th- I think, like, if you come in not to drive alignment, not to gain buy-in, like, not to get these guys or gals on your team, it's, it's going to be a struggle, right? So uh, the, product, the product manager should be 
I hate to say say it this way, but like should be driving that bus. Otherwise, there's going to be mutiny, right? So like, how do you, if you don't know how to do these things, if you're in a feature factory, got it, right? But understand as a product manager what your responsibilities are. I've had if- conversations with like up and coming product managers that are like, well, but a PL is not the responsibility of a product manager. How do you know? Oh, what? <laughs> right? So so you're you're right. Like there are people who can do it, people who cannot do it. But just because you're doing you're just delivering features blindly, like you should go out and practice like perfect your craft, learn your craft. There are so many things. And people just don't do it or they're not exposed to it or they're not expected to do it. Or they weren't asked the question. And that right. to me, so I don't right. think I genuinely come from a place of if if I'm a leader sitting in that room and I'm modeling behavior, holding myself to that standard, showing my work, showing what, you know, trying to attempt to show what good looks like for today, you know, because that changes all the time, that people will figure that out. Right? People will realize that they need to come with those particular answers. Right. And that's that's the thing. That's where where it's like if you're just like uh, throwing a dart at a wall. okay, cool. Right. But no, that's not going to yield. You can't be upset when that doesn't yield the outcomes you want as a business. But they're not measuring the outcome. That's the other. Well, I mean, the ultimate measure of outcome is revenue. Right. Like revenue. So so if that doesn't move, then we don't have jobs. Right. Like that. That's the thing. Right. So like. If you're so far insulated and you have so much money that none of none of this matters, then okay. But I, I just know. don't feel like I don't feel like that's a good place to be in. No, it's not. No, it's not. I mean, it's to me a very um those organizations for me were very chaotic organizations because you never understood why you were doing something. No one ever understood. There was never alignment across the board about why something mm-hmm. was happening. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my early career, I wasn't asking those questions. Uh, like, what are we trying to achieve? What's what's the expected outcome, right? And this was before I was really, like, responsible for larger products or building new products. Um, but now... I mean, the product manager should be the gatekeeper, right? Like if anybody comes to you with a great idea, you're supposed to be asking the questions. Why are we doing this? What is this supporting? Like, can we make money? I mean, all of that, right? Desirable, feasible, viable. Like all of that. And we just don't, like me included, I've not done it in my career because I'm being told to do it. So there's that. But then we just don't ask because we're not um, disciplined to do it unless we have a leader who is doing that we're just not so yeah and then it becomes then the prioritization process becomes a how do you prioritize you can't drive you well no you prioritize by the team you have control over so the team's working on all the right stuff but that doesn't mean the team sitting next to me is and now i've got a bunch of silos right i've got i've created this infrastructure that is super siloed Nobody's talking to anybody. Your thing is not important. And then when two things show up at the same time, and I mean, if you had enough money, maybe this is less of a problem. But like, 
because if you build three of the same thing, one of them is going to win. You throw away the other two. Sure, that could happen. I don't believe that's most people. Like, I believe that is, like, reserved for the largest of the large. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. I mean, if you can't answer those basic questions as a product manager, prioritization is being done by somebody else. Like, it's leadership saying these are the top three things you should be working on. Yeah, and I that think happens like, so much. <laughs> I think you can draw. I think I think you know, and I think there's an opportunity there for product to drive the narrative on yeah. how we make those decisions. But in absence of like the language that the rest of the world understands, and I'm not saying you know, oh, the the you know, kind of the product engineering stuff. What mm-hmm. matters are what is it moving? Are these the outcomes? Are they are they within the theme that we think? that we need in order to grow the business Mm -hmm. right and that's so you so i would love to be able to sit in a meeting where product says here's here's everything here's the order we vetted all this stuff it's all on theme it's all on brand you know all on all on where we want it let's go build it sounds good to me right yeah i mean that should be happening should be happening i i I don't know how often it happens. Just thinking back in the time that I've been in product management, there was, there's always this desire of product leadership. We've got to be more strategic. We've got to be more strategic, right? And a lot of what you're talking about is in the strategy, right? So, but then you're over here just doing tactical work you're just delivering features that are you know coming from sales or coming from somebody else inside the organization so i think but those are inputs right like those are inputs to like all of that is good feedback right like from sales hey sales says we need this right those are triggers right and i think it's a mix of strategy and tactical like you can't oh. be all strategy, 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 right? It's got to be like, what is the balance of strategy versus tactical? No, that's the point I'm trying to make though, right? Okay. So majority of product managers are tactically focused with a desire to do strategic work. Majority of product managers don't do strategic work. My like my strategic muscle wasn't really tested until I got into consulting where it was like, okay, Katie, all you're going to be doing is creating product strategies, right? Like, got it. And that's completely di- a completely different type of work than just being oh, tactically yeah, focused on executing, right? So like majority of product people are tactically focused. They don't even know what strategy means, how to come up with a strategy, what the components of a strategy are. Like they, they don't know. Um, yeah, it, it, it's so highly, you know, I was talking to somebody about this and it's like, you know, I've been fortunate enough to have a lot of varied experience. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I kind of like, don't people know these things? And then, you know, you've kind of been doing this too long and you realize, well, yeah, this is how we used to do things because it, as we've talked before, it's all in a circle at some level. And I don't, you're right. I think people hire product managers and it's like, go figure out how to do X because the strategy is driven by somebody early in the company. Right. And then you hire more of that. Then we need a manager. 
right? And then, and not until you get past this kind of, we have, you know, we've got a business that's really growing and we need to continue the momentum, does the strategy piece necessarily show up, mm-hmm. right? And I think it comes down to vision. I think it comes down to how you get to the vision. But I feel like if you're a company that is, if you're, if you're doing a lot of thinking about what the vision is, what the intent of the company is, that kind of stuff, I think as a guidepost, I think that's super important. But I think a lot of people, you know, it's, hey, we got a good idea. We're going to go do it. And they just hired the executors. Yeah. There's plenty right. of, yeah, plenty of um, companies that do that. And people who think a roadmap is a strategy too, right? So it's just, I think it goes yeah, back ro- to. <laughs> roadmaps are promises, should be. Like, I just think it goes back to product leadership um, and, you know, what they're driving, what their, you know, what their expectations are and how they interact with their peers um, in senior leadership. I've seen, I've seen the good and the bad. Um, And I think from the perspective of like a product manager, there's a lot of balancing that happens um, or trying to meet expectations of senior leadership, your leadership, and then expectations of the teams that you're working with. And that can be very tricky. Um, And I've seen a number of people in that position just kind of give up and become apathetic. Like, I don't know, I've just been told to do this. Right. And I feel like that happens more often than not because those product people who came in and were told, Oh, you're going to own this product. Don't actually own it. Um, so I think alignment issues typically stem from the top and the product manager, unfortunately becomes that messenger or that person that is the one who's blamed. Right. But it doesn't have to be that way. As a product person, I think it's imperative that you understand, even if somebody's requesting you to deliver a specific feature, for you to understand why they want that feature to be delivered, right? What is it driving? What's the expected outcome? Like those should be quite, those are basic questions you should be asking. And if you're not, figure out how to do it. Because that's a place where then you can say, well, if this isn't supporting the overarching strategy, if this isn't going to make us money, why is this on my list? So, but it's, it, yeah, it's a challenge and it's a, it can be a really tough spot to be in, but I think it can be a really great spot to be in if you know what you're doing and how you can drive alignment with the team. Um, and the, the like, uh, I don't know, velocity or output you get from a team who understands what they're doing. They know, they know why they're doing it. It's far better than a team who's like, why the hell am I working on this? I've been there too, right? So, I don't know. I think there's a lot that could be done to drive better alignment between the two teams from leadership. Yeah, I think that I think that's true. I feel like there needs to be, especially as you grow, 
roles and responsibilities are pretty fuzzy early on. And mm-hmm. I think they need to get more crystal clear. And and I, I hate to, I don't want to be that guy that's like, you know, only stay in your lane. And I don't think that's what it means. I think it's somebody has to make a decision somewhere. And we need mm-hmm. to understand whose responsibility is to make those decisions. I think guidance coming from coming from leadership should be, you know, it, it could be anything, you know, this is a new market we want to go take, right? Like, I think that can come from both ways, right? If, if you have product managers that are looking at that and now it's time to make the investment because the, the environment's right to do that. I think mm-hmm. those are all inputs, but who makes those decisions? It's senior leaders. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think, the quality of information that gets in front of them. So one, the clarity of message of this is what we're going to do. This is how we win. This is right. That's their purview. And then how those, how the big rocks get filled in that jar, it comes from, comes from everywhere else, but there, but they've got to look at that and say, yeah, that makes sense. Cause they're the ones on the hook for the outcome, the real yeah. ultimate outcome. Yeah. And that's where, I, where where it's not clear and we're not holding people accountable to the outcomes or people not being held accountable to the outcomes. You know, like we should review whether or not that actually worked. We should review what does success look like? Like basic measures. And it can be things that we don't measure today, but how do we yeah. know? How do we know we're progressing towards what the stated goal is, right? Like that's the other thing is like, what's the measure that say we're winning? Yeah. Like if we go do this, what's the measure? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, and that and to me, that's that's kind of like where you struggle in prioritization is where, you know, I've been in environments where it's been pure ROI. How much revenue is it going to generate? OK, cool. But even then, that's a guess, right? It is. Yeah. I mean, it's all guesses. I think you're just trying mm-hmm. to get closer to was that really a ball like high and outside or was that like <laughs> on the line? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'll take swings on those. Yeah. You know, but like it does feel sometimes like it's just it's like every pitch that comes in, we're swinging at it and then everybody gets frustrated or or worse yet. It's like, we'll go hire another engineering team. And now we're six months into that trying to get people ramped up. And now we're six months away. You know, now they're six months away from getting the feature actually delivered and the timing's now off. Yeah. I can just feel the aggravation of being in that position. And it doesn't have to be that hard. Like it just really doesn't. I yeah, it doesn't. And and I think people are receptive if you show up with the right information. People are receptive to it. That's the other Absolutely. thing. It's like if you actually show up with this information, people are always willing to listen because it's such a rarity to me. Well, and that's the thing, though, right? Like, why aren't product leaders like? Why aren't they driving this? I think there are a handful. <laughs> out there who are right but like the oh yeah it's i don't know it's a it's a tough spot to be in but i mean you know if you know how to do it and your leader doesn't know how to do it you can still help them (laughs) right like you can still yeah i mean like ask the questions like you can if you were the one responsible for making the decision what would you want to see Put right. that together and give that to somebody, I guarantee you it never gets turned down. Yeah. In fact, I would argue the opposite is like, look, we actually have a live one. <laughs> right? 
You know what I mean? If we're fishing, yeah. like yeah. we got a live one. We should go do that. Yeah. Right. But you know, the other thing too that happens, at least it's happened in in my career, is like I it only happens for a period of time, but I haven't been asked those questions in some organizations from engineering, right? So they're kind of in that same boat of like, we've just been told to do it. They could be apathetic, they could just not care. Who who knows, right? But like, I've been in positions where I've not been challenged by engineering. And actually what I would say is the places where I have been challenged by engineering are the places where I've had the best partnerships with engineering because they're asking the right questions. And it, it feels like they're invested in the work they're doing versus just checking the boxes on a task list. Yeah, I, it, I, I think flexibility. I think it's okay to flex to that area where we're collaborating, we're brainstorming, we're asking the questions, we're trying to get to a better outcome collectively together. Mm-hmm. But then you have when 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 that's decided, like recognition that it's your decision and not mine, mm-hmm. right? And recognizing that you know you respect my input and that comes from the relationship, but recognizing that you have to make it. I understand the disagree and commit thing. I may not mm-hmm. agree with it, but I understand why we're doing it. Let's go do it, right? And that's you know professionalism, whatever you want to call it. I think is is where that comes in. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I don't know if that's possible with everybody because it requires you to drop the, it requires you to drop ego. Yeah. Right. You know, it, it, it takes all types of people, but I think, yeah, you find the right people you can work with. And I think, you know, as I get older and I look at other opportunities, I get way more targeted about how these types of things work than I would about, oh, that's, that's a cool technology. You're doing something cool. I'll go do that because like, I just don't want to. I want to work with those people that I want to sit with all day, every day and talk to these things about. Yeah. We hope you found some value in our chat on product and engineering alignment. And in our next episode, we're talking about prioritization and solution estimation and why everyone hates it. Thanks for listening to the Product versus Engineering podcast. You can learn more at prodversenge.com. That's P-R-O-D-B-S-E-N-G.com. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode and leave us a rating and review if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time.